It has been more than 10 years since the Tunisian people overthrew the totalitarian regime and established a democratic system instead. The so-called Arab Spring served as a worldwide inspiration for the oppressed. However, a decade later, the spirit of the Arab Spring has left the country, or so it seems. My name is Elizabeth Minkoff, ICMPD Communications Officer, and today we ask, why do more and more young and bright Tunisians aim to leave the country, and what do we know overall about the current migration trends in Tunisia? Joining me remotely today from the ICMPD office in Tunis is Donia Smida, Head of Office and Portfolio Manager for Tunisia and Libya. Dear Donia, a very warm welcome. Thank you for having me. Welcome, everybody. I'm glad you made it. And I'm very curious to present to our listeners your exclusive insights as someone who has lived and worked in Tunisia long enough to give us your perspective and observations over the time. However, we will not only talk about what your personal observations are, but first and foremost about your project output. You have, in the framework of the Progress Migration Project Tunisia, conducted the very first national survey on international migration. Is that correct? Yes, exactly. So it's the Tunisia Hames Households International Migration Survey. And what makes the survey so particular? I would say one of the main results of this survey is that it took place already. It's not only the results of it or the numbers that will come out of it, which are, of course, important. But the fact that there is a survey dedicated 100% on migration is an achievement in itself. Uh, like you said, it's the first one, which is really dedicated. And it was an opportunity to initiate dialogues between different uh, stakeholders within Tunisia that are in charge of uh, migration. There was an exchange of data, exchange of uh, information between them. And the process itself was also a very good added value. Uh, in terms of numbers, uh, this survey uh, tells us and speak about different categories. There's the Tunisian living abroad. We have more than 566,000 Tunisian living abroad. Of course, uh, this is a specific category for those that have uh, more than 15 years and that have left initially Tunisia. We do also have some other numbers about returnees, 211,000, non-migrants, 8.4 million, and the migrants that are living in Tunisia, around 60,000. What is the non-migrant category? What does that mean? That means that those people never migrated before. There are people that are still staying in Tunisia and never left Tunisia for more than three months with the perspective to move or the perspective to stay in that country. And why it's important also to have this like reference um, sample is also to see what is the advantage or the added value of the migration. So we can also compare from one side, but the other side is also to have the intention from those uh, people, the intention to migrate or not. 
Okay, and if you look now at um, this particular group, the non-migrants, what what would be the most surprising results or what is the sentiment, what is the feeling there? What were they even asked? One of the most uh, impressive uh, question or result that came out, it's uh, do you intend to migrate? And 1.6 million of non-migrants want to migrate. It's important to also notice that this survey is also based on the feeling, on the perception and what the, the person is saying. So we cannot go and check if this information is correct. We are really based on what the person is telling us. However, with technical means and um, the sample that have been chosen, we can say that the result is accurate. So 1.6 million want to migrate. It's very different from will migrate or already did um, the steps or the legal or irregular steps to, to migrate. So from those, uh, only 14% uh, percent already started the preparation. There are some that already applied for visa or looking for a job abroad. Uh, 68% is only a wish at this stage. And around 18% are still looking what is the way they will um, choose to migrate. They're still in this uh, uh, spirit of, okay, I want to go, but I still don't know what is uh, the thing I will do, be doing. 1.6 million, right? Yes. And Tunisia's population is? 12, uh, around 12 million. So from the 8.4 which are uh, non-migrant, 1.6 um, had the, the wish to migrate. What else can you read from the data? It seems like a lot, to be honest. Yes. And as I said earlier, it's a wish. That means um, that also the, um, the story of either other migrants that they have in the family or people in the same uh, village they also see this image of success when you migrate. That means the wish to migrate is something that is in their head. It's something very spontaneous. They say, okay, yes, I want to migrate. I want to migrate. It's more important to see uh, the percentage of those that have this want if they really uh, put that into practice with concrete actions like learning a language, etc. So the For those categories, the percentages are much lower. Those who decide to leave or who have already left, where do they decide to go? The majority uh, of the Tunisian living abroad are uh, in France, more than 40%. Uh, then you have uh, Italy, Germany, Saudi Arabia, and the other Gulf countries and North America, those uh, three last countries are more or less in the 10%. I can also give the, um, the, the main reason of uh, people migrating. It's more to improve their income and the condition of their work and to seek for work. This is the majority really of the, the uh, first um, uh, intention to, to, to leave. The second uh, is to improve the living conditions. And then there are really other very small uh, percentage like uh, family reunion, etc. 
we have not talked yet about kind of the underlying causes. So if we, we look at the de last decade with the establishment of, of a democratic system, which is quite well in its principles, people were as far as I understand, having some expectations regarding living conditions. And what happened in the last 10 years that led to this um, kind of major trend of people at least considering migration as an option to improve their conditions of living? This is also um, something we have looked at in terms of the Tunisians that are now living abroad. When did they migrate? And uh, the result is that more than 50% of those that are actually today living abroad left Tunisia after the revolution. So here there's also a lot of interpretation, but it, it can also say that after the revolution, Tunisians that were living abroad also had the hope and came back to Tunisia. So let's say the percentage of people that are living abroad that left Tunisia before the revolution decreased and the number of Tunisians that left after the revolution increased. And most of them, now we can say that 50% are active uh, workers. And strangely enough, it's that the regions from where the Tunisians that are today living abroad are coming from regions in Tunisia which are not the most disadvantaged areas. Uh, this also gives some question why they leave the not the most disadvantaged area, but it could also be that previously it was an internal migration and then the international migration took place. The internal migration was not covered by the survey, but uh, we can see that the opportunities to leave the country are is more when uh, people are in the coast areas or in uh, bigger cities, so they gain some experience before going to the international uh, migration. So it would be interesting to know also, as far as I understand, it's very often also very well-educated people that are leaving, is that correct? Yes, we can see that in the last decade, it was also an, um, the tendency changed a little bit and we can see more and more educated people leaving in all possibilities, regularly or irregularly. Uh, however, it's also important to note that depending on the country of uh, destination, there are some countries where the overall educational level is higher like in Switzerland and Canada, North America's uh, country, which is less the case in Italy, for example, or France. So the less educated would rather go to Italy and France because it's probably just easier? There's also a lot of family members. The community is, uh, is bigger. What does it mean for those who are, who are not leaving the country? It is not a surprising result. A lot of um, international uh, organizations, together with the um, Ministry of Social Affairs and the Ministry of Labor, did in-deep studies on the so-called brain drain. Not everybody, not all experts are agreeing on the this wording, but it seems that a lot of um, engineers, doctors, are leaving effectively the country. Uh, 
However, it is not clear how many are really still staying. So this balance needs more in-depth uh, studies. Uh, this survey just confirmed the overall thinking of this brain drain with confirmation with numbers like I saw more than 3,300 doctors that uh, left and 39,000 engineers in the period between 2015 and 2020. In general, what were for you other findings or some findings that you did not expect? What were sort of the surprising results of, of the survey? I would say it's not surprising, but it's a confirmation also of some aspects and disinformation of some aspects. And I would say uh, the, um, it's related to immigration uh, into Tunisia. So uh, with almost 60,000 uh, foreign migrants living in uh, Tunisia, we still have more or less the same number with a high, higher, uh, inc uh, slight increase since the last census in 2014. However, the distribution in countries changed. So before the percentage of European war was higher and uh, sub-Saharian were lower, now the tendency is the opposite. So we have an increase in sub-Saharian and, and a decrease in European uh, nationals. And 40% of those migrants have superior education. This is also something that we can and uh, distribute as an information because there are a lot of disinformation about this topic. So for me, it's important also to, when media speaks or they communicate, they also communicate on facts. And with this survey, they can use the, the data that were calculated. And from this community, so all the migrants in Tunisia, 70% are from African countries. There's the North African and so-called Maghreb, and 50% are from the Sub-Saharan African. And most of them, I would say half of them are living in the capital. And when the question was asked to them, what would be the next destination? And the vast majority pointed at their country of origin as being their future destination. Their country of origin, so they want to return. Yes, the vast majority for all migrants uh, that were uh, asked the next destination would be their home country. Mm -hmm. that, that I think this is an interesting uh, finding indeed. So uh, speaking of returnees also in that connection, what did you find out about returnees? So for returnees, we have 211,000 returnees. Those are uh, people that lived more than three months abroad and came back to Tunisia with the intention to stay at least for the six next months, or they already exceeded the six uh, months. But it's also important to note that they have this intention to stay anyway. And uh, very importantly also, we are looking at the history of the person. So this returnees, the condition in their definition is also that they left at some point Tunisia. They were not born uh, abroad. So the movement to leave Tunisia and then to come back, they are identified as returnees. 
What is the experience? What are the motivations that make them come back? Do you have any uh, data on this? For the returnees, the number is around 211,000. And the main reason is uh, family reasons, can be reunion or they want to go, go back to members of the family or the kids. And the second reason is the vulnerability in the host countries. It can be related also to work condition or living condition. And the third reason is really related to work as uh, it pointed out very specifically. And the reasons are more or less the same for men and uh, women. For women, um, the family reason is almost 50% of their return um, reasons. So can we see from this, is there any way um, to tell if the return in most cases is rather voluntarily or rather involuntarily so most of those uh, returns are voluntary returns and it taken the decision more than 50 percent by the the person itself that decided to go mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. interesting we returning to the bigger picture it would also be of course interesting to get some more basic data for instance if you can say the main age groups and and the genders what what does it look like for the immigrants so for the tunisian living abroad uh, it's a category of people older than 15 years old and it is necessary that they left tunisia in the first place we are not targeting people that were born in another country so the total number is 566 6,000, almost 390,000 are men and 178,000 are uh, women. And the bulk um, age is between 30 and 39. Together, uh, it's a little bit more than one third in uh, men and women. It's the same percentage Uh, the second category is those between 15 and 29 years. And it's much less for the other category. And the distribution in age is almost the same in percentage for men and women in each category of age. Right. What is, um, from your perspective, the reason that there are much more men than women? Actually, we can see that women now are also going on their own because before it was the man that was uh, leaving for, to find uh, a job, etc. And then the wife is joining her, uh, her husband or staying here in Tunisia with other family member, uh, members. With time, we saw that the feminization, let's say, of the migration, so the number of women are going, are increasing those last years. Are there already um, any measures taken to uh, improve, for instance, conditions for those um, female migrants? Or are there any initiatives that you are aware of where female migrants but can be also migrants overall from Tunisia, are somehow um, yeah, partaking in integration measures in uh, hosting countries where they arrive. 
So it's very important because it's it's a journey, as, as I said. So the migration starts from the first thought and all the programs also that are in Tunisia that will um, accompany the future migrants. This can be done and is done for those that um, go through institutions to prepare all the the steps for the migration. There are also organizations, international organizations, together with the Tunisian partners that have specific programs also to prepare the future migrant uh, can be in language, in soft skills. But it's very uh, binded to bilateral agreements and is specific to each country. Of course, all this is after taken over by the Tunisian government that could also, from his side, do like the pre-departure preparation, which is very important in the journey of the, the migrant. The migration does not start once they arrive there. It starts from the second they decide to migrate. And do you have any um, questions or insights into um, the challenges that those immigrants are faced with in their host countries? Did you ask that as well? It's a little bit related also to the reasons of return. As I said earlier, it's uh, the work condition, the living condition. Sometimes it doesn't match with what they have expected at the beginning. In some countries, of course, it's uh, easier to also find another job and jo to go from one job to the other or to have a, a community that they know they can rely on. In other countries, it's much more difficult to find a job while you are there or it's even sometimes not possible to go from one job to the other without having the approval of the previous employer. So depending on the country, and also the working condition and the living condition where there's the conditionality to work and to stay. But I would say that most of the time it's the reasons given by the returnees. It's really the living conditions that were not as they expected. We can only have like a little uh, insight today. But what I can tell is that you have conducted a survey that is extremely comprehensive i don't think i've i mean i've seen some of um some similar products by other countries but this one seems to go deeper and so i would like to know how did you manage to do that how were you able to talk to so many people how long did it take also it would be interesting to know why the government was interested in this survey in the first place the challenges Oh, the challenge, I would say, is that this survey it intends to capture a phenomenon that is by nature moving. People are moving. And at the same time, this um, met methodology is based on the household, as I said. That means we need to ask the person the question. So... That's why this is quite challenging, but also it makes the National Institute of Statistics, which conducted concretely this, um, this survey together with the National Observatory of Migration. It's really a challenge for them, but it, it's also nice to prove that they are able to do such things. So how can we capture something which is moving? 
And this took one year of preparation in order to have the, the questionnaire ready. And uh, this questionnaire actually is based on the MedHIMS, which is a joint initiative uh, which came out from a regional program, which is called MedStat. So the questionnaire itself and the methodology are things that were already approved by international community. It was uh, conducted in Jordan, in Egypt and in Morocco before, but it was in 2013, 14 and 18. Thanks to this survey, we also took the lessons learned. So we captured all that and also we went to a a modern kind of survey with tablets, so everything was digital. So to come back on the challenges, not only is uh, um, a phenomenon that is moving, it's rare, but also all the logistics, the lack of human resources and uh, financial means was one of the most important uh, topic at that time. That's why we supported the Tunisian government through this project with um, the commission's uh, funds. So why is it challenging? Because the Tunisian government needs to have this scheduled in the annual or the five years uh, schedule, which was not the case. So we have to hire also very specific persons to conduct this survey. And um, the National Institute hired more than 150 uh, persons in order to, to conduct this survey and all the capacity development that was uh, necessary in for all, each stage of the survey in order for them to be able to conduct it properly. And also the timing. The timing was unfortunate because the field work started the day where the pandemic in Tunisia went to a peak and where everything was closed. So it was really a challenge. How can they move? How can they go to specific places? How can they knock on the door of the people and people opening the door and staying, I would say not hours, but at least one, one and a half hour to to conduct the survey. So it it was very difficult, but they really managed and uh, with the support of um, the other ministry, but also from from us. So And the socioeconomic uh, period was also not very um, attractive in terms of this lack of trust with the institutionals. So if somebody from the institution is knocking on your door and want to ask you, did you intend to, to, to migrate? How d- did you migrate, etc.? So this lack of trust was also something which they had all the 150 uh, persons had to build with their um, interviewee. Uh, we also noticed that when the agent was a woman, she had more facilities also to get the information, whether it was a woman or a man in front of her. This is also something, uh, a lesson learned for the institution. And uh, the higher the education of the person which was interviewed, the less time they wanted to to give to the the agent because for them it was loss of time what doesn't mean anything uh, etc so the less educated the person the more time 
she had or he had and where we could really capture the phenomenon. So this is some of the challenging uh, things. And uh, like I said earlier, the methodology of medhims is, is known. It was adapted to the Tunisian context. And one of the most important things that I also highlighted at the beginning is this coordination with all the ministries that are in touch or uh, in charge of one part of the migration. So all those ministries, they gave their comments, they added questions to the questionnaire because maybe the Ministry of Labour wanted to have one specific question asked by the migrants, etc. So this took um, a year to prepare and to have a validated questionnaire, which is still very coherent with the overall questionnaire from Tunisia Hens because it's very important to keep the overall um, comparison also with the other countries that uh, have conducted. And then there's the pilot, and after we have the sweep uh, phase. Uh, sweep phase is 150,000 households which were questioned, not in total, not the total questionnaire, but is to identify what type of household is this. Is it a migrant household? Is it a non-migrant? Is it a returnee? Is it um, Tunisian abroad? So this took three months um, in order to establish the database. And from there, there was a sample of 35,000 households which were questioned in the totality of the questionnaire, depending on the category, of course. And uh, here it's something very, very important I want to highlight is that in theory, we could also ask member of the family to give the answer to the question because the methodology of uh, HIMSS gives us the possibility to do the proxy. However, in Tunisia, they insisted to the very end to ask the question to the person itself. It went from one to sometimes eight visits to find the person there. It went from taking the phone uh, number of them abroad and call them via WhatsApp and what, uh, etc. until they, they got the information. Of course, this was not possible to an extent of 100%. That's why it's only the two last months where they gave the possibility to the agent to go through the proxy. Because it's not very accurate also and a member of the family they don't necessarily have all the the data on how much costed your trip etc how long did you take to to apply for example so the data collection took around seven months only the two last month were for the proxy and then we go to the data processing where there's all the verification, the compilation and the preparation of the report. This also took around six months because they have to verify and double verify that all the data are, uh, are correct. And on December 7th, 2021, it was the offici official dissemination of the results. And now this is not the end. <laughs> Of course, it's very, I mean, it's a big thing that uh, was uh, done by the Tunisian government and we are very proud that we were um, supporting them for that. And now all those data, this mine of information, they have to go somewhere. We have to use them to, to be able 
for the decision makers also to take the decision to establish policies, to do some very specific strategies, for example, for Tunisian living abroad or how they invest or the, um, the migrant living in Tunisia, how to really target specific things or for the returnee, like you said uh, earlier, are there programs for them? Now that we have more data, we can also target very specific strategy for very specific target group. Are there any plans to repeat such a survey in um, a few years? Or how is this going to be, um, well, how is this project going to continue? So I remember the first day in 2019 where I presented uh, the questionnaire and uh, we had the first um, uh, training session with the agents and they were going saying to us, you're crazy, you're crazy, this is impossible, how can we get the people, how can they reply to such things? It's very, very, very di difficult to capture all that. And after two and a half years, when we had the final um, really diffusion of the results, all of them said, okay, when is the next uh, survey? Because they learned so much also. It's really about the story of the person, all the history from the idea to, to all the journey they went and they come back, etc. So the National Institute of Statistics would like, of course, to reconduct this uh, kind of survey every 10 years or every five years. It will really depend on the Tunisian government if they can put it in the national schedule of the survey. But another alternative would be also to take the most important questions, which are in the Tunisia hymns, and insert them in the census or other running surveys they do in the national uh, schedule. So this is now in discussion, what can be already taken today and in the future, how to seek also for donors to, to contribute to, to make this um, survey again. And something very important I forgot to mention is that the plans and the movements of people also changed with COVID. That means during The, the question we also ask before COVID, after COVID, what changed? We needed to understand is the COVID also a factor of non-migration or on the contrary, is it a factor of migration? So I really applaud the Tunisian um, government that was very flexible and that they added questions of things that really pop up every day and they co were really correcting and adapting each time something came up. But what was the result of this question? <laughs> Because this is, that, that's interesting. I mean, this is it. Now we know before and after, but it's, that's why also they suggested that we do have in five years another uh, survey in order to compare what were really the consequence. Because the We, the questionnaire was really the day where everything closed in Tunisia. It was in March 2020. So the exploitation of this data were not done yet, but we can explode them in another time. And this booklet is really, I'm not an 
statistical uh, expert, but it seems that this is really like 10 to 20% of the information they can, uh, they can give. That's why the academics now, other institutions are, are also in, um, in collaboration with the National Institute for Statistics to take other data to get deep in other topics. And this is exactly what ICMPD stands for. We are here to present data in an unbiased way and to allow our donors and partners to take really informed decisions and not to fall into prejudice, narratives and similar traps. Yes, and I think the survey is a very good example for that. Like you said, ICMPD, we work in on multidimensional governance. This requires information flows. It requires coordination between the stakeholders. We work on the professionalization of approaches and of staff of the partners. We do also work on modernization of data collection. Like I said earlier, we bought also all the... Um, IT uh, material and like you said we are working on the communication on migration and it enables us to have the accurate data and the real data in order to take the decision so this survey is really the four aspects we are covering all aspects of it and it was very natural also to for the Tunisian government to uh, join forces with the uh, ICMPT to implement uh, this um, survey with uh, the funds of the EU. Joining me today on the ICMPD Migration Podcast was Donia Smida, ICMPD Head of Tunis Office and Portfolio Manager for Tunisia and Libya. Dear Donia, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. And to our listeners, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast session. Uh, thank you for tuning in and see you next time. Stay up to date on ICMPD's activities and visit our website icmpd.org. Sign up for our newsletter and follow us on social media.